Howdy folks, this is Chris Applegate with another episode of The Other Dad, your foster and adopt support group. So thanks for joining us today. We got a a couple topics we want to go over. We're going to go over a conversation about an article that I posted on our Facebook page. If you haven't been to our Facebook page, it's facebook.com backslash other dad. Again, facebook.com backslash other dad. Appreciate it if you go over there, like and follow us, and you can stay abreast of uh, new posts that we have, new podcasts that we uh, post, and then also articles that we share. One such article I shared this week about church experience. We're going to have a brief conversation about that. I'm going to share my thoughts and some experiences. Then we're going to go over another topic, 504 and IEP plans. Not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that, but we are going to have a short discussion about it. And third topic is going to be finances, cost of adoption. Uh, So some of you might hear that and think, well, that doesn't really apply to me, but I would dare to argue if you were a taxpayer, which I'm willing to bet you probably are, then it really does apply to you. And stick with me, hear me out, and we'll hopefully tie it and make it relevant to everybody that's listening. Um, Now, last but not least, actually, at the end, I'm going to share a song Uh, that a dear friend of mine and brother-in-law has uh, recorded for us, and I'm going to share that. And it actually ties in with one of the passages I'm going to share with you today. So one of the things that got us started in fostering and adopting uh, is is just God's heart for uh, those that are broken, those that are in need. And I have and am such a person. And uh, this week, I have a friend that went through an experience with a foster child. It's reminded me of the hurt and the pain and the struggles. And the song that my brother-in-law recorded is based out of Psalm 42. And so I'm going to share a little bit about that passage because I think it's really relevant to those that are in the foster and adopt arena. Uh, but for us, for my wife and I, one of the verses that we have just written close to our hearts and remind us regularly of is James one twenty seven. Reading from the Amplified Version here, it says, Pure and unblemished religion, as it is expressed in outward acts, in the sight of God and Father is this, to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress, and to keep oneself uncontaminated by the secular world. Now that's a mouthful, and especially when you drop down to the bottom and say uncontaminated by the secular world, holy cow, I could get lost on a tangent there. But that's not what this show is about. This show is about foster and adoptive, and it just straight out calls out the fatherless, which the foster and adoptive parents, that's what we do. It is an outward expression of the love of God for the fatherless, for those that need to be spoken for, that those that need that love. And so, uh, you know, I, I want to encourage you, if you're in the arena of fostering and adopting, write that passage close to your heart. Remind yourself regularly that you are doing the work of God, that God has called you to, and you are exercising your faith and your obedience to God in caring for the fatherless. Uh, Specifically, it says, visit and look after the fatherless. So stand firm, stay strong. Like I said, one of my friends going through an experience with a, a foster child that 
you know, those of you that have been foster parents, there are some kids that you're just straight up glad for that kid to leave your house. And then there's others that when they leave your house, it crushes you. And a lot of people say, oh, I couldn't get into foster uh, because of that, for that very reason. And it's true. It, it really does crush you. But it's one of those beautiful things that, that draw us back. It's painfully beautiful because it draws us back to our dependency on God and our need for God um, to support us and to be there and encourage and bring us through the challenging times. So before we get into the topic about the church experience and the article that I'm going to share with you guys, let's uh, let's look at this passage. Because we just talked about religion that is pure and undefiled and caring for the orphans or the fatherless in their distress or in times of need. But in Psalm 42, it starts off by saying, As a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living water. And I can't tell you how many times that I've been brought close to tears, if not to tears. Longing for God to show up because the pain was too much to bear. The support wasn't there. And, and it, if you're a foster or adopted parent, you understand where I'm coming from. In verse 3 of Psalm 42, it says, um, My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long people say to me, where is your God? And you know, we look at the world around us and you look at news today and all the things that the politicians are concerned about. And we're in the front lines as foster and adoptive parents, loving for these kids and fighting for these kids, trying to, again, back to the title of this, this podcast, The Other Dad, trying to point them to God our Father. Where is our God? I remember this in verse 4. I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive processions to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Verse 8, the Lord will send His faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. So when we get to that song, and, and the song is, is based off of this uh, passage of Scripture in Psalm 42, I think this is something that foster and adopted parents can relate to. The loneliness, the depression, the struggle, feeling like the court system is inadequate, feeling that child protective services is inadequate, that causes uh, so many people are trying to do the best that they can, but yet none of it is adequate enough. None of it is enough. And the whole reason it's not enough is because humanity is not enough. God is 
enough. And that's where we have to go back to. We got to go back to the dependency on God and that he is the only thing that will satisfy the deepest longing in our hearts. So this article that I shared, um, and, and again, guys, if y'all haven't checked out the Facebook page, go to facebook.com slash the other dad. I'm sorry, facebook.com slash other dad. And, and, and so, you know, follow it and, and like it. I shared an article from um, Michelle McKinney. She, uh, she wrote on Confessions of an Adoptive Parent. Confessionsofanadoptiveparent.com is a great website. If you, uh, they also have a Facebook page. If you haven't subscribed to them and liked them, check them out. Really good. So Michelle McKinney is actually a, um, a pastor's wife. Okay, so her husband is a minister inside the church, and she writes an article about when church becomes a negative experience for adoptive families. Now, her and her husband have adopted a couple children, and one thing that she notes here is that really all adopted children have special needs. Okay, there is special needs that an adoptive child has that a biological child typically does not have. And this is a reality. Those that have adopted can attest to that. Yes, you better believe it. My kids have special needs. And and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get to the 504 versus I individualized uh, education plan. Uh, but, but the reality is, is that the children that are adopted are adopted into a society, especially here in America, where we have a society that you got to fit in these social norms, and adoptive kids typically don't fit in those social norms. And so they are segregated. They are treated different, and they have additional struggles that they've got to get through. And so as adoptive parents, we got to work through that. We've got to, we've got to help them get through that. When you have, you know, two children that that are in your home that you've you've that have been in their home since they were at least toddlers one's white and one's hispanic and then you take them to school and in elementary school your hispanic child is getting treated differently than your white child you understand the struggles and <laughs> and a lot of kids unfortunately come from families or wounds i should say where the mother dealt with alcohol or drugs, um, or even if they didn't, the mother typically, uh, from uh, experience, did not have a healthy pregnancy. And so children that are adopted have a tendency to have developmental um, challenges that stem from being in the womb. And so therefore, we've got to, and, and we can't be shy about it. We can't sweep it under the rug or pretend like it's not real. It is real, and we have to deal with it. We've got to address it. You understand when Michelle McKinney writes in her article about going to a church and going to the cry room with two or three or four-year-old children who are recently adopted, and knowing that as the mother of these children, she was unable to put them in the child care because of the experience of 
being raised in an orphanage that she just rescued these kids from, that she just adopted these kids from. And so this article is from her perspective and how she was treated and the experience she had. And, and, and it just breaks my heart. And, and I hope that in a future conversation, I'll be able to get my wife on and maybe some others, and we'll have some more conversations around this. Uh, but the reality is oh, widow um, ministries, those are typically very well thought of. But when it comes to orphan ministries or the fatherless, we lack. And we need to get real about that, church. We need to understand we have a responsibility to the fatherless that God has instilled upon us. And we have got to step it up. So church leaders hear the cry, the desire, the need that we feel as as the psalm, why am I so depressed? In Psalms 42, I am so deeply depressed and and. That is the cry of many foster and adoptive parents because we feel as an outcast. We feel segregated from the church. We don't even feel welcome to the church oftentimes. But yeah, we need the church and the church needs to to step it up. So, all right, there's my plea to the pastors and the ministers out there. Um, Many of you are doing it. So if you're doing it, thank you. And and I pray many blessings on you. But if you're not, take a serious a serious self-reflection and look to see if there's something further that you can do. Um, but if you are a foster or adoptive parent, one of the worst things that we could do is not say anything. Now, I know as a foster or adoptive parent, it is hard to speak up. But the reality is, is that is exactly what we're supposed to do as one that cares for the fatherless. We are to be the voice for them because they have no voice. The world doesn't listen to them, and we've got to stand up for them. That is our responsibility, and that is our calling. I I love this article. Go and check it out. Continue this conversation. Have this conversation in your small groups when you get together with other foster and adoptive parents. Converse with them about it. If you're in Parker County, just go ahead and throw this out there again. Working on getting a, uh, a foster and adoptive support group set up in Parker County. I hope that we can get it started sometime in March 2019, uh, but we'll, I'll keep you guys posted. I'll keep making mention of it on here as, as things progress there. All right, but as we talked about foster children or adoptive children having really all adoptive children have special needs, let's talk about 504s and individualized education plans. The reason I'm aware of this is because I have a son that's enrolled in the 504 plan. Individualized education plans are a lot more structured, um, and there is a, a lot more that goes into developing an individualized education plan. Individualized education plans require a written plan. Oftentimes, there is some sort of, of change or expense that the school incurs to accommodate the needs of the child. Whereas on the 504 plan, it doesn't have to be a written plan, though oftentimes it is. And typically there's not additional uh, expenses that the school incurs to accommodate your child. So for instance, I know a lot of individuals that are in IEPs or individualized education plans, 
because there is some physical uh, need in which requires the school to 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 make some changes to allow them to to fit in or there is a a separate class that they've got to set up to accommodate the needs of that child uh, whether it's uh, physical or, or mental or educational um, comprehension reading comprehension for instance the individualized education plan whereas a 504 plan Let's say your child has extreme ADD or ADHD, and the child doesn't really need to be, uh, you know, in a in a um, completely different setting, or some physical accommodations made. The child may just need to be in the front of the class, right there by the teacher, so he doesn't have other distractions around him. Uh, he's focused up on the teacher, and all the distractions are behind him. Right. And and I can attest to this. So in my experience, when I went to college, I remember sitting in classrooms where I was in the front of the class. And typically I would sit in the front of the class because I was hard of hearing and uh, also had ADHD. And so when I would sit in the front of the class, I could hear the teacher. Okay, first off. And then secondly, I didn't have as many distractions in front of me. And so it was easier for me to pay attention. But when I sat in the back of the class, I had a real hard time. And those and and my grades showed it. So the 504 plan would have been perfect for me when I was in school because the 504 plan, the 504 plan would put together a plan that says, okay, well, Chris needs uh, to sit in the front of the class because he's hard of hearing and because he's got ADHD and he's easily distracted. And so that would have been great. And that's exactly what we've done with my son. He's, He's hard of seeing, whereas I was hard of hearing, and he's very easily distracted. And so he needs to be in the front of the classroom to limit those. Uh, It even goes a step further and says, okay, well, when it comes to star testing or tax testing or whatever they call it nowadays, you know, the the two-day long testing that the schools do so you can graduate to the next grade, they they say, okay, well, we're going to take you aside and um, every 15 minutes or every 30 minutes give you a five-minute break to get up, stretch your legs, get some water, go potty. And, and, and move and breathe. And so that way you can go back and you can concentrate again. And so uh, there's, there's that option as well. There's, there's other things like um, the child doesn't do well reading a test, so therefore the teacher needs to read the test to them. And as a matter of fact, in my son's class, in the, there's, there was a couple kids that had that request to read the test uh, instead of doing it by themselves. And so the teacher already had that built in her schedule to where when she would uh, administer a test to the classroom, she would read the test to the entire class and tell the students, hey, I'm going to read the test. If you want to do the test on your own, go ahead and do it. I'm just going to read it. And she knows the students that need to hear her read it. And so she could you know, ensure that they were listening to her. But other students had the opportunity to do it as well. And so in that circumstance, you know, all these circumstances, it does not require the the school to uh, make extreme changes to incur additional cost or to to do um, significant changes to be able to meet the needs of that child. So the needs are more easier to meet in the in the classroom setting as it is already with a 504 plan. 
So all that being said, I would encourage you that if your child qualifies for an IEP, I would do the IEP. Um, but if your child does not qualify for the IEP, know that there are other options out there. There's a 504 plan. And I don't care what state you're in. These options are available because they're federal options. If your school gets federal funding, then, then you have these options available to you. And all public school systems do. So uh, whatever state you're in. Now, keep in mind, depending on the state you're in, you may have other options as well that are available to you through the state. Uh, so I would definitely do some more research and check to see what's out there. But I just want to make you aware that the IEP and the 504, they're very similar uh, in, in what they accomplish. Um, and, and they're both available in any state, no matter where you're at. So... Alrighty, let's move on off of that and let's talk about finances and cost. So I told you if you did not think that this was going to apply to you, hold on for just a second. I think it will. Bear with me. So first off, I want to tell you, I did a little bit of research to find out how much a domestic adoption cost and also how much an international adoption cost. Now, the international adoption is pretty straightforward. Um, there's a lot of costs associated with legal fees, with travel, and so forth. So the cost for international adoptions range from twenty dollars to $50,000 typically. So it's pretty significant. Um, Again, that's twenty to fifty thousand dollars for an international adoption. Now, if you listen to my prior podcast, the first one, we talked about briefly how the need is great no matter where you're at, whether it's domestic or international. So so don't think that as I'm talking about the cost on these that I'm favoring one or the other. We have a need all over. Okay. Domestic adoptions it's it really ranges uh, anywhere from zero dollars all the way up to fifty thousand dollars, and yes, guys, I did just say that you can actually adopt a child for zero dollars in in the United States of America. So it's kind of hard when we look at the domestic adoptions in the range from zero to fifty thousand dollars. Why is it so significant? There's a lot of factors associated in that, uh, but let's think about it this way. Typically, the children that have the CPS is going to have a more difficult time getting adopted. They're going to decrease the cost significantly. Whereas if it's easier to get the child adopted, it's going to be higher cost. But this domestic adoption number is also taking in consideration private adoptions, even outside of CPS. Okay, So typically, when you adopt a child through CPS, your number is going to be anywhere from zero to twenty thousand dollars, typically. Okay. However, private adoptions inside the U.S. those are what typically range up to the fifty thousand dollar mark. Okay. So there's some benefits. There's some downsides. I'm not going to go into that. Uh, <laughs> that's not a topic I really want to. I really want to talk to. What I do want to say about that, though, is I encourage you. Before you even start looking at that, stop and pray and ask God as a couple, uh, if you're a couple, as an individual, if you're an individual, God, what are you calling us to do? Because I'll tell you, if God's calling you to adopt teenagers that are fixing to 
to get out of the foster care system that CPS cannot find a home for uh, because of their behaviors or because of past behaviors, then you will know that God's calling you to do that because you will be happy doing nothing else other than that. And, and God will open those doors and he will bring you through those circumstances. Though it may seem impossible, he will bring you through. But if God's calling you to do drug babies and take babies and see them go through withdrawals and, and the pain and the, the sorrow that you experience through that, you will know that because God will bring you through that. And then when that child leaves, you'll, you'll know, I want to I do another foster to adopt or another foster like that. And so um, same thing with, as I just mentioned, a couple of foster circumstances that potentially could lead to adoption. But the same thing goes for adoption. If God's called you to international adoption, pursue that. Don't go domestic because of the cost. Pursue the international because that's what God has called you to do. He will provide either way if that's what he's called you to do. Okay, so so the cost is pretty can be pretty significant when you adopt, but there's also a lot of special needs adoptions, and typically on those special needs adoptions, those where you are where you get to the zero dollars typically, um, and so there's a lot of other um, benefits that are provided with a special needs adoption, uh, but know that if that is where God is calling you. I uh, highly encourage you to do a lot more research on that. I don't want to go in detail on, on all aspects of that. There's no way I could cover it all, but do some more digging on that. Uh, let's make it relevant to everybody because the reality is, is I just shared with you speaking specifically from America, so domestic adoptions, there is children that are available for adoption outside of the private adoptions. So, these children are available for adoption because they were taking, taken away from their parents by Child Protective Services or Family Protective Services. And these children were taken away by a government agency. So there's tax dollars being spent, right, at that time that this child's being taken away from their, their biological family. And so as a taxpayer, I think we should be aware of what our tax dollars are being spent on. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on the, you know, my beliefs of the whole system. I hope one day to do a podcast specifically on that. However, I will say that as a taxpayer, I, I think it is important that we understand that and understand that if these children were left to their biological families, oftentimes those biological families are living off of um, services provided by the government, so again, off of your tax dollars, and oftentimes the children will follow the same route. So I think we need to step back and say, okay, where is God calling me to reach these people that need to know God because if they are living off of services or living on the street or living in a life of sin through drug abuse and alcohol abuse, uh, substance abuse, and, and any other form of abuse, which they could be potentially be in, 
as Christians, we have a responsibility and a calling to go and draw them to Christ. And so as a taxpayer, I was talking about the finances. You understand there's a financial cost associated with people living off of services. Uh, But more importantly, there is a eternal cost in us not speaking up and reaching out to those who are lost. And what better way through CPS and and a direct connection to the parents. One of the things that my wife did when we were in the foster uh, um, realm was writing letters and conversing to the biological mom and trying to build a relationship and trying to share the gospel with them. I hope to bring her in and talk more about that one day. But that is one way to combat the eternal cost of a soul not coming to the knowledge and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So it is a huge, huge ministry out there. And when I got involved in it, my eyes started to get open to a world that was right out my back door that I never knew existed here in America. But through CPS, through foster care, and through adopting, I came to understand that that world is right outside my doorstep, and the mission field is great out there. There's a huge opportunity and a huge need to love and care for those kids and share the gospel with them. So with that, um, you know, we understand that there's a cost. We understand that, that the church has a responsibility, and, and we know that further in the kingdom of God is what God has called us to do. So we covered a bunch of topics today. I hope you're challenged. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you look forward to the um, support group that we have coming to Parker County for foster and adopted parents. And, uh, and I also hope that you're encouraged by the scripture that we read in Psalm 42 um, and James uh, 1. Uh, so with that, again, I'm going to read uh, scripture here again. Um, when I was reading in, uh, Psalm 42, verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. With that, let's praise our Savior and our God, and I pray blessings on you as you go out and live your life worthy of the calling that you've received, pointing others to Christ and to the other dad, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So on that note, guys, here is the song, Where Is Your God, by my buddy Adrian May and his band, Dawn. Thanks, buddy, for this. Folks, hope you all enjoy it. Catch you next time on The Other Dad. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God.
Shall it give?